0: Hey there, it's Mara Schiapocampo, and you're listening to Motivated. Whether you work out regularly or someone who really watches your diet, or maybe you've slipped off the wagon or gained back some weight that you've lost, or you just need an extra push to help you stay on track, staying motivated is key. And that's why we're here to help. Every week, we're bringing you the top health, wellness, and fitness experts, along with a lot of really amazing everyday people. And it's all about helping you live a healthier and happier life. Don't want to wait until Monday for the next episode of Motivated? You can hear it three days early on the TuneIn app. Download TuneIn today and listen for free. right, we're here today to talk about plastic surgery. And I have to explain in a second why we're talking about plastic surgery on a podcast about health and wellness. But first I want to introduce our guest. Dr. Oren Tepper is the Director of Aesthetic Surgery at the Montefiore Health System. And you guys all know Dr. Jen Ashton from GMA and ABC News. She's ABC News' senior medical contributor. Thank you both for being here. So excited to talk about this. Yeah, this tomorrow. is going to be fun. So I want to, I do want to take a second, though, to address why we would be talking about this on a health and wellness podcast. Because... You know, there are people who feel like plastic surgery is a shortcut. It's cheating. It can even be dangerous when it comes to your health. And that the natural way you work hard, you eat right. That's how you get the results that you want. So to those people, I would lovingly say this is not the episode for you. (laughs) I, I would love for you to go check out the many other episodes we have. And please come back next week. The reason that I wanted to talk about this is because a lot of people are curious about it. But they're curious about it in whispers. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, people still, I feel, don't talk about plastic surgery very openly and very publicly. still feels like a dirty little secret. And what I've also found is that there's this huge misconception that people think, if I get plastic surgery, I'm going to look like fill-in-the-blank celebrity who doesn't look like a human being anymore. They look like some kind of weird plastic thing. And I have found that that is not the case. The people I know who've had plastic surgery look natural and amazing. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to do today is just answer a lot of the questions that people have about plastic surgery and its role in the health and wellness space. So the first question I have, Dr. Tepper, you perform plastic surgeries. Is it cheating? Or do you find that a lot of people are coming to you to get tweaks to what nature can't give them? For example, like saggy skin after you've had
1: a baby. What, what, what's, what, where do you fall on that? Yeah, let me first say, you know, you mentioned the, if you're listening and you're not the believer, and you, you, you think this is a shortcut, you definitely should tune in because it's an important topic. And I think people assume um, incorrectly that this is the easy way out. Um, and what's overlooked so often is the emotional impact that plastic surgery can have on somebody right? I mean, the whole purpose of of this show, and, and I know you feel strongly, is not just how you look, how you feel. And somehow plastic surgery just falls into that, well, you're going to look better. But what we don't talk about or what's not talked about enough is, are you going to feel better? And it's such an important part of what I do. It's an important part of our specialty. Um, so absolutely not. And, and I'm happy to kind of talk about some of the things you might be interested in, how these things affect that. But there's an emotional component that's understated, um, it's not talked about enough. It's a perfect opportunity but to, to discuss this. But that's a great
0: point, because I'm sure you see this in your practice all the time as an OBGYN. You know, you really, women take a hit in their self-esteem and their confidence as they age, and really after childbirth. I mean, motherhood, yeah. I've always been a confident person, but your body changes in ways that are unexpected and that you always you can't really fix.
2: Right. I mean, I, I was just telling Dr. Tepper, I probably discuss cosmetic issues, either Dermatologic or plastic surgery issues with 20% of my adult patients. And I'm fortunate because I, you know, not only know Dr. Tepper really well socially and personally, but my brother is a plastic surgeon and I have a, a lot of plastic surgeons that I refer my patients to. So I feel like I can really counsel them appropriately. And as a woman, you know, it it makes it even easier. And so it's not just after childbirth, uh, as you mentioned, although, you know, obviously, that does affect a lot of people. I see a lot of patients who have lost 100 pounds or more. um, And that's a major issue. And I even see some teenagers who are, you know, come to ask me about um, elective breast reduction or rhinoplasty. And, you know, these aren't 13-year-olds. These are 19-year-olds. These are college-age women that maybe still have a teen associated with their age chronologically, but it has a major impact on their self-esteem. And my approach as a doctor, as a woman, as a mother uh, is in this day and age, if there is something about your body that gives you significant distress emotional, psychological, and it's not pathological. We're not talking about a psychiatric diagnosis that really, you know, there's a slippery slope and there's no end to it. But one issue that really bothers you, and you have it in your ability to address that issue safely and effectively, I think there are too many things in life that we can't address like that. I am 1,000% in support of that. And I have seen firsthand The difference it can make in people's lives
0: yeah life is too short you know oh yeah i love the way you put it if it's if it's health if if it's in your means healthy healthy way in a healthy way to do it just address it so what's most common what do you get the most requests for
1: well on a national scale for years it's been breast augmentation and rhinoplasty um and that's been for about 10 years plus those still remain at the top but there's some new things coming out that people don't talk about as much i feel
0: like there are trends like in the 90s, everyone wanted to look like Pamela Anderson.
1: <laughs> yeah. And today, yeah. I feel like more women
0: want a much more natural look. Is, is that accurate or Absolutely. is that
1: just... Uh, that is definitely the trend um, among professionals, too. Uh, patients were asking for that, but I think physicians themselves are coming around and saying, we want to produce a more natural look. But you mentioned this earlier in the podcast. What the problem has been that the people... People don't talk about their plastic surgery experience very often. And the people that you're talking about or that you see that are overdone, that, that creates this uh, perception that that's the result that people are aiming for in plastic surgery that's the minority right most people who've had this done you don't know they've had it done unless they tell you i was
0: i was home with a friend and we were watching tv and someone who's had way too much fillers in their face and botox and was on the tv and they said like i don't know why anybody would do that stuff and i said i do all that stuff you know botox fillers there you can put it in my face go for it and she was shocked i said that's bad work that you're looking at if you have a doctor who's Disciplined and but a lot of times the patients will
1: ask for that. So,
0: so what do you do when you get a patient who's asking for something that you know is not going to come out great? Is are you obligated to still give them what they want?
1: No, you're not, and that's an important thing I think for physicians to keep in mind, and that's for the physicians listening. Don't forget, you know, our hypocritical do no harm, and if we are not on the same page as our patient, you have to, you know, gently and politely say, you're not the right patient and I'm not the right physician. And certainly go talk to other physicians, but you and I are not gonna achieve a goal that we both would see uh, as successful. Uh, but certainly people come with pictures. And I think it's a good start. Look, as long as you're realistic and you discuss with the patient, I think this is a goal. This may not be your body frame. This may not be possible. Um, it's an important discussion to have. And okay. if, if I have a patient who says, this is absolutely what, what I wanna look like, and I feel like this is absolutely not what they're gonna look like, then that's a breaking point for us. But I
0: think that's an, But that's an important point because um, people, I think people think that a doctor can put anything together, like Frankenstein, right? Sure. So it doesn't matter what you start with, he can make you look like Kim Kardashian. Sure. Is that accurate?
1: Absolutely. I think people do think that and it's our job as physicians to educate them that it's not necessarily So
0: possible. what is the expectation? What's a realistic
1: expectation about what cosmetic surgery can do for you? Make you feel better about yourself. It's exactly what Dr. Ashton just pointed out. If there's something that you feel is affecting you, psychologically, you should address it and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. People shouldn't make you feel ashamed of it. You know, I think the breast is a good example, right? If you look, for example, breast reconstruction, nobody blinks an eye at that, right? Somebody has a mastectomy, unfortunately, from breast cancer, they absolutely deserve to feel better about themselves. But now all of a sudden, you have a woman who comes in who's very asymmetric naturally, or maybe has no breasts at all. Why shouldn't that individual be granted that same opportunity to feel better about herself Um, certainly the circumstances to get there were different but where they're at currently uh, isn't much different and for some reason uh, I think from a social perspective we feel that if the insurance is going to pay for it then we call that reconstructive it's totally okay I get the reasons why you'd want to do that from a psychological perspective but if that were not the case all of a sudden that goes in the bucket of plastic surgery then or aesthetic surgery rather those those aren't so different.
0: All right. So um, I want to get into logistics, but these, these are jump balls. You can both jump in. So there are things that people want to know about the process. So how much time do I need to take off of work? What's recovery going to look like? And how much is it going to cost? I know there's a big range depending on what you do, but what do people need to know if they want to head down this road? Well, so I'm going to let um, Dr. Tepper hit a lot of those,
2: but I want to start with the first and most important thing because this does start actually in my office or in a generalist office, primary care, OBGYN. When the first time someone says, I'm thinking about getting fill-in-the-blank done, my first response 100% of the time is, you must go to a board-certified plastic surgeon. Period. In my opinion, don't leave the country, number one, no matter how enticing the, the bargain price may be. And number two, just because, you know, I can use a scalpel also. I'm, you know, I do GYN surgery. That doesn't mean I'm the doctor to do you know plastic procedure cosmetic procedure and just because people say they can do your liposuction or your face something or your uh, does not mean they are a board certified plastic surgeon so that is the most important point in my opinion that needs to be driven home as many times as possible So, how do
0: you find the right doctor What do you think, Lauren?
1: Well, just a second that I I couldn't agree with you more about going to somebody who knows what they're doing and who's trained in that. And what happens is, and people who are listening should know this, once you have your medical degree, legally, you are allowed to do any of those procedures. Wow! It becomes, you know, buyer beware. Right. And it's really important for people to know who is (laughs) doing- So anybody
0: with a medical degree can perform plastic surgery?
1: Yeah. They can market themselves that way and they can perform those procedures. Now, hospitals may not give privileges- they might um, not
2: get insurance malpractice coverage, but they right, can but do certainly it. Certainly,
1: they can promote it and they can do it. And you run into trouble. Internationally, I couldn't agree with you more, Jen. I talk about this openly all the time, and uh, it's somewhat controversial. I know some of my colleagues interna- internationally get upset hearing it, but I absolutely agree. You have to be careful going abroad. And I don't say that because there aren't good physicians and good surgeons in other places, but the process is not a holiday, it's right. not a vacation. You need follow-up. You need to see somebody before, during, and after, and it can't be I fly in for three days and come back. It's not because you can't find the right individual there. It's just the whole entire process needs to be carefully looked at. From start to so finish. then how
0: because i mean with uh, typically with something important you would do word of mouth right referrals but the problem is a lot of people aren't talking about their plastic right. surgery so how do you find a, a good doctor
1: yeah so there are a couple of medical boards that are important we have for example the american aesthetic the american society of aesthetic plastic surgery asaps so you can go on their website you can look for somebody who is a member of that faci- society uh same with american society of plastic surgery they will have a list of all of their board certified surgeons So it's important. And word of mouth, don't you think, Oren? Absolutely. I mean, I think,
2: you know, I always say you want to go to the doctor's doctor. Like, we know, Mm -hmm. you know, I see my patients before and after they have plastic surgery, and I see, you know, where they're getting it, who's doing it. And so, you know, that's a really important resource that I think patients can use. Don't only think you have to ask a plastic surgeon. You can ask your gynecologist. You can ask, you know, your internist. Um, and and talk to friends also. I mean, it's not a hu- it's not across the board that you're going to say, well, so and so had a bad experience, so I'm not going to go to that person. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not robotic. Mm-hmm. It's not cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. It, every patient is different, and they can have their their own individual experiences. But word of mouth, I think, is incredibly important. Totally. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. And then look, the consultation is a consultation for not just the physician, it's for the patient. And use that consultation if you have to feel comfortable with who you're speaking with. I tell every patient, look, here's what I think. Here's what I think other surgeons should tell you. If you're here differently, just think twice. It doesn't mean you have to come to me. What you don't want is a surgeon who's going to undersell the uh, post-operative experience, tell you it's easy, there are zero complications, I have never had an issue. <laughs> if you start hearing things like that... You know, bell, bell should be ringing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. All right.
0: So then in terms of the the time, the, re- the recovery time, and, uh, and it's going to be different per surgery. So maybe if you want to talk about the different procedures and what the accompanying times would be, how much time can you expect to have to to be at a commission? What
2: about? Here's what I want to know, Oren. When yeah. you do my facelift, yeah. how long will I need to take off from exercise? So, Let's start with the face. If,
1: well, your facelift. We can have lift. a discussion
0: on the fact that you don't need <laughs> a facelift, but yeah. that's a completely planning different planning conversation. No,
1: Jen doesn't. Exactly. Jen's facelift is going to be out. Put her to sleep. I wake her up and I told her I did something. <laughs> That's right. It's like could right exactly. good nap so, and you'll be like oh, i are so to your work <laughs> is so natural Lauren I look the same <laughs> right but for the but face for someone like who how actually long needs it um a few weeks really weeks until yeah. they can exercise again Ex- well it depends um you know I used to say a few weeks in terms of exercise because the people who come in are, t- are now doing you know yoga boot camp really intense stuff right. treadmill things like that light walks usually about a week or two for a facelift yeah. a week or two what about time off of work Time off of work depends what you do. If you're at a desk, you know usually a week is plenty. But will um, you go back bruised and looking like you just had a facelift? It depends. So for a facelift, um, long hair, for example, hides the incisions. Most people are fine in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, breast augmentation, I'd say about a week. But exercise really three to four weeks. You got to be careful with that. Okay. Um, What about
0: things like a tummy tuck is very popular. A lot of people ask about tummy tuck.
1: Yeah, tummy tuck is popular. It always has been and just continues to rise. Um, That is somewhat, I tell patients, uncomfortable. Um, Six weeks? When a doctor
0: says somewhat uncomfortable, I feel like that's code for excruciating pain. (laughs) Well, here's
1: what I tell them. If you're having a real tummy tuck in the traditional sense and you're going to tighten the abdominal wall, I say you're going to feel like you just did a 1,000 sit-ups. And if you haven't done a 1,000 sit-ups... That's what it's going to feel like. And that's going to be tender for a few weeks. For a few weeks. Yeah. And
0: can you exercise
1: during that time? You can't. Not, you can't. No.
0: Okay. Now, here's something I heard, which I'm really curious about, that if you do the fat transfer to your buttocks, mm-hmm. you can't sit for a few weeks? No. Is that true? Not true. Okay. Thank you for clearing that would That would be out. difficult.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sleep on your stomach. And, or yeah. other
0: things. Well, yeah. <laughs> even being in a car, I was supposed to be right. in a cab laying on my stomach.
1: No, that's not true. And, but that is a really growing uh, aspect. Well, I, I, of plastic it's up,
0: okay, so let's talk about that. That's sure. up 25%. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and we're talking about fat transfer, not but implant. Right. Because people don't do that, right? Some do. Some do.
1: Is that, but that, it's not really great, I've heard. Well, the problem is it's a farm body. And so you run the risk of all the th- those usual concerns, like your body can reject that. It can become infected. So how
0: is it different than breasts?
1: Um, the buttock itself is not as well encapsulated in the area, and it just is more susceptible to infection for, for that reason. Um, okay. Bre- breast, an implant that's put in, is under the muscle, Really, where you positioned where you put it, uh, it's a difficult thing in the, in the buttock. But, okay, but so fat transfer. Fat transfer is taking off around the world. So
0: you're explain the process. So if someone's never heard of this before, how does it work?
1: So fat transfer to the butt. Uh, people call it Brazilian butt lift is another common term. But what it is is you take fat from somewhere in the body, typically from the stomach, from the hips, um, through lipo. From, from, through lipo, and you transfer that to the buttock. Most people, what they're looking for is a little bit more curvature uh, and a little bit more of a shelf up top. Um. really in the upper part of the butter. That bubble. Yeah, people want the butter. And, and <laughs> it's interesting, you're t- you know, we talk about overall motivation to, to be healthy. It's almost, if you think you're about to undergo some big transformation, lose all this weight, It's the, it's the one window where you have the fat to actually use. Because right. there are plenty of women who come in who say, I want a bigger butt, but they don't have fat to take from anywhere. Can
0: you harvest your own fat? Can you gain weight for the purpose of
1: fat transfer? I wouldn't recommend it, but you can.
0: Well, why wouldn't you recommend it?
1: Because I I think what happens is, look, then you start talking about patients who are not ideal candidates and you're unhealthy for other reasons, but...
0: But if you're too thin and you want a bubble butt, you know, put on ten pounds in yeah. a couple weeks. Well,
2: I was gonna, I was gonna say something about that because you started off the podcast by saying, you know, some people think it's cheating, or some people, especially, let's say with with a Brazilian butt lift, they say just do some squats and you'll have a shelf. Right. Not always. Right. I mean, so, this so right, much. your genetics, your body morphology is going to be different. Um, you know, you've seen everyone has seen people, male and female, with the so-called flat butt. You know, they could squat between now and when the cows come home, and they're not going to have maybe the shelf that they want. So, I mean, I think that – and when you talk about gaining weight all over to do, you know, a planned fat transfer, remember that, you know, it's not selective, right? So you gain 10 pounds. Your fat most of the time is going to be evenly distributed. And then the fat transfer, the harvest, will occur from one area, and you're going to be left –
0: with fat, other places. So you're, you you really want it, you take it from where for the fat transfer?
1: Where, where does the, wherever they have the best kind of donor site? Where the best supply of fat is? It tends to be around the abdomen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be.
0: Now, does it leave loose skin behind when you suck all the fat out?
1: Great question, and it does, and that limits how oh, much fat we. This can is take. just very
0: depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: God. Well, th- but this is where exercise becomes so important. And so, look, I, I absolutely people come to me and say. I want a little bit of liposuction. I don't want to have loose skin. And I can tell you, even for fat transfers to the buttock, um, patients who haven't necessarily put a lot of emphasis on their overall physique, over overall physical health, you do this and it just kickstart this motivation that they didn't have before. And that's something I never really thought about um, much when we started doing these procedures, but we're seeing more and more of it, which is you did a small procedure, and all of a sudden they just noticed, and it was that kind of threshold that they were able to reach and say, "Wait a second, I feel a little better, motivated a little more, and now all of a sudden, I have a whole new way of life but this I is eat, w- the way I exercise
0: this is what confuses me. I see these Instagram girls, and they're thin everywhere, and then huge butt right so you assume that it's through fat transfer. I don't know that for a fact, but that's the assumption
1: how Where is that fat coming from? These women are tiny well, they may not have always been so some people naturally, yes, have a curve, curvature to mm-hmm. their butt, et cetera. But, yes, there's a lot of people who this was sort of stage one. They had fat transfer. And there may be other work being done down the road. So you're not seeing that. You're just sort of seeing the end stages of it.
0: Um, Jen, what about scarring? What about it? Is I mean, people want to believe that they can get the perfect body and not have any signs that work has been done. Do you? I mean, it,
2: it's an interesting question because for tummy tucks, for example, which we were just talking about, you know, when I have patients who have had them, which are quite a few, and for people who don't know, the scar is hip to hip, so it's it's, a big it's not subtle. Like this isn't going to be something that people are like, you know, you're going to hide the scar. No, not really. Does
0: it in a bathing suit? Can you see it? It depends,
2: right, Orin? I mean, it, it does depends depend. how and low it is. It is getting
1: lower and lower, and that's <laughs> right. the fashion trend, right? If you look at the old tummy tuck scars. I mean, you'd look at these patients and say, "What was the plastic surgeon right. thinking?" But it, they were doing the right thing at that time. Um, but it's moved down. So it's trend. Yeah, it's yeah. moving
2: way down. But naked or in a very small bikini, you're going to see a scar. And everyone scars differently. Everyone's skin type is different. Some people form those keloids Isn't or that thicker more scars. More common with African Americans. It is. Um, but but everyone heals differently on their skin, just like they heal differently internally. Um, you know, I've I've done C sections on women that have had one C section that have as much scarring in their belly as women who have had four C sections, and that's very similar on the surface of your skin as well. So, uh, and every surgery has different scars, you know, as Dr. Tepper was saying. So when you talk about, let's say, a breast reduction, I will I'll talk to my patients about that because I am the fir- for sure the first doctor who hears about. Th- those complaints. My back hurts. I can't wear a strapless dress. I can't wear a bikini. I can't go running. I can't, you know, it's yeah. s- it's very, very
0: serious complaints yeah, big, for women. Big boobs are pain in the neck. But, a big, big deal. I mean, having been 90 pounds heavier, I can say big yeah. boobs are a pain well, in the Jen, neck. Well,
1: Jen, you bring up a good point. Why, so breast reduction falls in the category of, okay, that's functional, right? Mm-hmm. But but ha- that's that's a perfect example of mm-hmm. something that it makes all the sense in the world of why women feel uncomfortable and why yeah. there's so much discomfort around it. And insurance will pay for it, right? Um, but all of a sudden, if insurance didn't pay for it, now is that considered cheating? Is that is that considered cosmetic? So, surgery? what does
0: insurance pay for typically?
2: Something that has a functional impairment, and yeah. it's very. And we have to fight with them all the time. <laughs> Who fights
0: the patient or the doctor? Well, Both.
1: First, the patient, and, <laughs> right. and, and then the physician gets involved. I'll, 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 let me tell you Can something. Can you make
0: the claim like if you want a nose job, like I can't breathe, right?
1: If it's legitimate, sure.
0: And what would make that
1: legitimate? If your septum, which is the piece in the middle, Mm -hmm. um, is deviated to one side, that often is a reason to, to need... And what about, is,
0: is there ever a medical reason for fat tra- buttocks fat transfer? Oh, no. I'm asking for a friend. There's no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. that, that's code for me. No, right, exactly. no not butt. Sorry, I want to put in my face. But let, let oh, we'll... wait, yeah, you mentioned that. Can we get back to that? Right. We were talking about that before the podcast started. Fat transfer to your face? Yeah. Sure. That's, that's what I'm, gonna, I'm what going for. I'm going for a
2: consult.
1: Who wants Tucker? a fatter what? face? Let me, let me finish one thing. The, this is something <laughs> that is so frustrating to me because we talked about who pays for it. If you lose weight on your own, If you successfully lose 100-plus pounds, 200 pounds, and you go to a physician, most likely the insurance is not going to cover it, and you're going to pay out of pocket. Now you take patients who have had bariatric surgery, which is um, surgery to either make your stomach smaller or bypass in the intestines to make you lose weight, weight loss surgery. When they lose weight, insurance often does cover it. And this is one of the things that is so frustrating to me as a physician, because... Two different patients, same end result. One motivated entirely on their own to change their diet and exercise, have lost weight, and the insurance will not cover it. And um, and this is something I think as a, se- as a specialty we're going to have to fight because um, both yeah. deserve it. Yeah. But it is helpful
0: to know that um, in some cases past, uh, insurance will cover it. I, I wasn't yeah. aware that that was ever the case. I, I want
2: to just jump in here with something completely out of left field, Mara, but you and I have talked about this because we're friends at ABC. Mm-hmm. Kind of for me, we're friends everywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, like, we didn't plan this for the podcast, but to me, this is kind of the 800 pound gorilla in the room, and I've never spoken about this publicly before. But about two almost two years ago, I had elective breast augmentation, and I'm not in my 20s. Shocking, (laughs) what
0: (laughs) you could pass for something Uh, close uh to (laughs)
2: me, yeah. So I'm in my late 40s, and it was something that I had always wanted to do, I was pretty much like the wall. I was like an A cup. I've always been very athletic. I've always been very thin. In general, when you're really, really thin, you know, breast is a fat structure. And it always bothered me. But I was always kind of like, I'm not really, I don't want to spend the money. Anyway, make a long story short, my my daughter um, had gone for a consultation for a rhinoplasty. And I was completely in support support of that. And when I went, when I got back home, I, my mother came over. My mother's a retired nurse. She's had plastic surgery only once in her life, but she had her eyes done. I don't know if you knew that, Orn, but like almost 20 years ago, great result. She does look great. She totally. looks amazing. Um, and so we were very excited because we were talking about my daughter and and having her rhinoplasty. And she did have a deviated septum, but her nose was really much too big for her face. And she told me that it really bothered her, really bothered her. And my answer was, as I said earlier, listen, you know, you're, you're almost 18 years old. This is not something that she changed her mind every other week. If it bothers you and it's my ability to fix it, I'm going to fix it. So. You get so excited when you go see plastic surgeons like Dr. Tepper that I left with my daughter and I was like, maybe I'll get my little bump taken off my nose. I want to do something. And I said that to my mother and my daughter and they both at the same time said, if you get anything done, you should get new boobs because that's really the worst part of your body. No, they did. And so I thought this must be a sign. My mother and my daughter are both telling me. So I went back for a consultation Um, with an incredible plastic surgeon in New York City, whom I trust a lot. And I I know him through my brother, through Dr. Tepper. I've sent many, many patients to him. And I said, listen, I'm a doctor. I'm not a, you know, playboy centerfold model. I don't want to look fake. I don't want to get different clothes. I don't want people to notice if I don't tell them. And you know, because I'm very, very open about it. People say like, You know you look great and I'll say oh my god let me tell you what I did (laughs) come in (laughs) the back room I'll show you And, and I will tell you that and and I would have never appreciated this unless I went through this personally it made a massive difference in how I felt about myself I did not realize that every single day twice a day in the morning when I got dressed and in the evening when I got undressed, that I would look at myself in the mirror and I would have a negative conversation with myself mm. about how I did not like my breasts. Mm. And it it really changed that. It really, really changed that. And wow. it, it it was so subtle and so natural that people no one notices unless I tell people, now I'm sharing it with all of your <laughs> listeners. Right. But but, but you I,
1: but you notice. I noticed, important. and
2: that was the most yeah. important thing. Wow. and and it was really it, it was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Mm, and so I, I really, you know, anyone who is considering it for themselves, I, I will I'm more than happy to share my story. I know there are millions of women who feel like I feel and and they're embarrassed to talk about it. I think it's self-care. You're doing something for yourself. This wasn't for anyone else. It wasn't because my mom and my daughter told me, although, you know, they kind of gave me that it's okay.
0: Right. Thank you for sharing that. Um, It was something I've known about you because you're very open about it, but I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it publicly. You you look fantastic, by the way. Um, I also went to see your doctor who you referred me to. I'm not sure that I'm done having children yet, but when I'm done. I'm definitely going to him to get oh. the girls lifted back up because yeah. breastfeeding does a number yeah. on them. Um, and yes. I think what you what you mentioned about that conversation we're having in our heads—that negative conversation yeah. that you may not even be aware of—that's so yeah. powerful because we all have that spot yeah. where you just zero in on it and you think, you know. And as, as much totally. as you try to be self-loving, it, it kind of is always nagging at you. There. That's such. And an I'll important tell you point.
2: that that really, really skilled aesthetic plastic surgeons. You know, like I went to like Dr. Tapper. There, are, there are so many of them. Their work is uh, – this is how I describe it, Oren. I don't know if you agree. It's it's you only better. It's your best you. Totally. I don't look like I'm not me. And by the way, it was. I had this irrational fear. I don't know if, you, if any of your patients have ever told you this, Orrin, But I actually had a fear when I had considered it in the past of waking up and thinking, I want these implants out. Like, mm-hmm. they don't belong in me. And it, that wasn't how yeah, I felt no, at all. That. I woke up and I thought – this is how I've they, they feel like me.
1: I, right. I love the it's but the the best version of you. I may be putting it, it on my website. Yeah, right you, go, you can use because it. I don't want to be, look like it. a different person. No, it's great. And look, let's take the face for example. Right, I've thought about this. People who smile, right? The impact of smile on happiness. Are they happier people, or is there some element of smiling a lot that makes you happier? And I, there's a lot of research behind right. that, right? Now, now take for example someone who looks tired. You start to internalize that, and you feel more tired. And if you could help somebody when they see themselves feel less tired, I think that will impact the, ultimately their energy level, et cetera. And yeah. I mean,
0: Beauty is far more than skin deep. It really oh, is a yeah. spiritual component yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get to a couple quick uh, logistical things. So in terms of scarring, can you, how you've scarred in the past, is that going to be a predictor of how you will scar after plastic surgery?
1: It's not a guarantee, but it certainly is a predictor. Absolutely. Okay, and and, in, and you should note the other thing is um, your family members. Look at uh, mother, father, etc. How they've scarred over the years, uh, just to give you a sense of what category you're in, and and look for if you've fallen as a kid, things like that. How how have you healed? If someone
0: has keloided mm-hmm. in the past. Is that a suggestion that that may happen, and should they avoid surgery for that reason?
1: They should certainly be aware of it, and keloids, um, we fight those all the time. It's a a terrible situation for patients. Um, If you form keloids, and and those are, um, if you don't know what they are, those are kind of scars that form from cuts, from earrings. You see them very commonly around the ear. You need to be careful because a big scar with a keloid uh, is certainly not something that you want to end up with.
0: What about other complications like scar tissue? I mean, what are the chances that you will make something worse? If you had to say as as the industry as a whole, what's the percentage? Not that the doctor's going to screw up, but that something in your body will reject an implant or there'll be scar tissue or that something will just not go well.
1: Yeah, it's a hard question to answer broadly, but I would say it's not insignificant. Somewhere around 5 or 10%. Let's say you're going to need either at some point a revision, um, something to, to be addressed. The so revision
0: is another surgery. Another, mm-hmm. potentially. Do you pay again for that, or is it included in the price of the original one?
1: It's a great question. <laughs> uh, it differs among surgeons. Um, I- if it's a known uh, outcome, I think most um, surgeons do, do charge their patients, and it's often hard to avoid at least the cost of the anesthesia and the operating room because those are outside of our control. Um But if it's really something that somebody wants to have additional or uh, have things done more than they would have predicted the first time around, then that's usually an additional expense. And,
2: and, you know, Mara, I think also because this is general for any type of surgery. So even though, you know, I only do certain types of GYN surgery, the consent form for elective cosmetic surgery like the kind Dr. Tepper does will be very different. But there are also a lot of similarities. So what I think everyone needs to understand is there is no such thing as a risk-free procedure. Period. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I always encourage people when they go to speak to a surgeon, in this case a plastic surgeon, ask what is the quoted complication rate for X procedure and what is your complication rate? That's great. And a surgeon should be able to give you those numbers, you know, roughly, yeah. um, number one. Number two, understand that sometimes complications happen and it doesn't mean someone did something wrong. Well, of course, sometimes it does. But sometimes, you know, this, is, this is happens. This mm. is a human procedure. It's a human being. Um, there are a lot of things involved. And to be clear, I have taken care of a patient once who almost died wow. after elective breast augmentation what went surgery. Wrong? She got uh, what's called um, necrotizing fasciitis, which is that flesh-eating bacteria within Ugh. 24 hours after her procedure. Oh, my God. And almost died. And, you know, so people, you have to understand if the worst case scenario happens to you, Will it be worth it? Now, that doesn't happen, thank goodness, a lot of the times. But at least you have to go into it with your eyes open. And that's where, again, we've come full circle. Going to a board-certified plastic surgeon is important. Many, many plastic surgeons operate in surgery centers for a lot of their procedures. And those can be safe, but they have to be accredited. And you should ask them, tell me about your anesthesiologist, because you better be using a board-certified anesthesiologist or, or a certified nurse anesthetist. And what is your backup? if there's an emergency. And they should be able to discuss that
1: with you. Is
0: anesthesia the most dangerous part of the surgery?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up. People don't meet the anesthesiologist, unfortunately, and they don't talk about it enough. You need to ask, who's doing the anesthesia? Tell me about them. Um, We often think about bleeding, infection, things like that. But in terms of most dangerous, for sure, anesthesia is the question. And
0: how long, generally, is safe to be under, if you want multiple procedures at the same
1: time? Great well, question. it is a great question. It depends what you're having. The, the problem with long anesthesia, there's various problems, but for most people, even healthy individuals, the problem with long anesthesia is the same reason you worry about long flights, and that's clots in the legs mm. because you're uh, diminishing blood flow to the legs. And so that is really the reason to, to ask what is the, how long will this take? And um, it, there's no real number, but uh, typically five, six hours is, is cosmetic. in cosmetic Surgery is what I like to use as a cut.
0: And five, six hours, how, are we talking about just one procedure
1: in that time, or could you do two or three? It depends, but there are many patients I tell them, look, y- you have a long list, and, it, and I think we talk <laughs> about staging this. <laughs> is it is- better
0: to split it up?
1: Yeah, everybody will, look, I'm going to sleep. I want to do it now. It's so much easier. I get the motivation behind that. But at some point... Also, you're
0: taking time off of work. Absolutely. I mean, that's a big thing for people. You don't
1: want to disappear for two weeks a couple times a year. But if it was easy and it was safe, I would say, absolutely, let's do it in one stage, in one procedure. But there's a point at which, look, the safest thing to do is... Separate these.
0: What it, I'm sorry. I just want to get to this quickly because you talk about the re, the good reasons to do plastic surgery, the right reasons. What are the what are the wrong reasons? What are reasons where somebody really should reconsider? Well, I'm
2: going to let let Orrin answer that too, but I want to tell you the the short answer, which I actually learned from Dr. Tepper and from uh, my brother, is managing expectations is probably the single most important part of the pre-op consultation for mm-hmm. aesthetic plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And so before I even give out a name. I want to ask my patient, why are you doing this? And if they say to get back at my ex-spouse, right. so that's not a wrong good answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so or if they say because I want to look like um, Angelina Jolie, probably not a realistic expectation. So I think that, you know, we talk about, you know, what what we as surgeons and as doctors do in terms of that that consultation, that's a big part of it. And I'm sure, and I, and I, I can't wait to hear, you know, Oren's answer to that. But I can guarantee you that any reputable board-certified plastic surgeon, they can spot that from a mile away when someone comes in with either unrealistic expectations or an underlying psychological motivation for doing something where, in my opinion, medically and as someone who performs surgery you you would absolutely be doing a disservice as a surgeon if you entertained thoughts of performing an elective procedure on someone that has a glaring indication that their their motivation, their expectations are not correct and not realistic. So what, what
1: are, are those things? Yeah, it's a good, you know, if you categorize them, it's who are you doing it for? Why, and the answer should be... Only yourself, right? Why are you doing it and what do you expect the outcome to be? And so... Who are you doing it for? And that's a hard thing. And I think patients themselves don't necessarily, or it's difficult to tease that out because I have plenty of patients who come in with their husband or their boyfriend, typically breast surgery, and the boyfriend's doing all the talking, (laughs) right? And you say, look, okay, you're gonna leave (laughs) the room. You're gonna leave the room now. And you have a much different discussion all of a sudden. Well, I don't know, I'm not sure. And and, and, and the same thing- That makes me
0: crazy. Yeah,
1: it makes me crazy. Teenagers too, for example, rhinoplasty. Uh, and I'd be curious with your daughter mm-hmm. if, if, she, if you were in the room the entire time, but I'd like to, oh, at some point, say your parents are going to leave the room, right? Mm-hmm. You're 16. so For yeah. all intents and purposes, you're an adult, yeah. right? I have my nurse here. But we're going to have a much different discussion without your parents, and I just want to hear that you're on board and that you have, you're doing this for the right reasons, which is only you. It has to be you. Um, the other is, right, why are you doing this? And I think certain people put – uh, overemphasize what plastic surgery can achieve for them, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a new job. My dating life is going to change gonna completely. It's going to change your life. Yeah, and, it, and it's not. A- and the other, and this is an important thing, and this is something doctors look for all the time, which is how much distress does this cause you? And sometimes there's a disconnect between it's a minor deformity and it causes so much distress where, look, this may not be the right fit. There's a term called body dysmorphic syndrome, and, and you know physicians know to look for it. Um, but I think for patients, think about... If it's a minor deformity, but I'm thinking about this so much, it seems like an easy answer, but it's probably not.
2: Well, you know what? He, he brought up something that is, that is true, and it's a perfect ending, um, and it's something more that I see in my patients. Because, you know, I'm seeing women may, before, during, after childbearing of all ages, right? And I tell all of my patients over 40 who all complain about their weight, even if they don't need to, I say, be careful how skinny you want to get because when you're north of 40 – and you get too thin you yeah your f- belly will get flatter your butt will get a little smaller but guess what your face will also collapse mm. and that is not a look that most women like, like because a gaunt. when you're well a loss they they call it a loss of volume we call it you know you're losing weight in your face your fat's coming again it's coming every off everywhere right so i i'll encourage women to say you yeah, know just be careful in moderation right um, but because I, you know, I'm pretty much the same size as I was before I had my kids. And you had
0: your kids at what age?
2: 14 yeah. and six. No, <laughs> um, 29 and 30. Wow. So you're—I so, mean—that's amazing, yeah, though, Jen. You I'm had 47.
0: Your, so for 17 years, you've ma- you've been the same size. Yeah, that's it. That's however. You I wa- all that and be proud of it. Thank you.
2: But I want to say one thing. Not only have I been the same size, more to the point, I am in better shape now than I was in medical school. Wow. I'm stronger. I'm, I'm more fit. And I think that is the message that I want women in their 40s to hear. And, and I talk about that on, on GMA a lot, you know, the quote-unquote bouncing back after baby. You First of all, you don't have to bounce back because you just grew another human being. So you have to cut yourself some slack, mm-hmm. what your body's been through. But not only could you get back to your pre-pregnancy, you could be better. You can be better. And in different ways, right? But because I am on the, on the slimmer side, and I'm not looking for skinny. I'm actually looking for muscle. I've lost volume in my face, and so I just said to Oren, what, "What, what can you do for me here?" Like, what? and he said, "You're too skinny." So I'm—he's tr- going to try to. Figure out where to post. So, confi- <laughs> I
0: mean, we're, we're 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 way over time, which is not a problem. I, these are this is a know, we could a talk great about this for hours because we didn't even get to the the non-surgical stuff. and we also
2: didn't get to male plastic surgery, which is yeah, a big thing, right? And I think people should own this. You know I what I mean? Too. It's a, it really is. It, it's uh, as, as a therapist once said, self-care. It's not selfish. It's not cheating. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, and when someone that. gives you a compliment, I'm all about sharing like the information. it's, it's not a secret yeah, you know what I'm I mean the same so, way
0: someone compliments something and you know, say that, oh yeah let me tell you what I'm doing yeah, I say oh yeah let me... let me refer you to my dermatologist and right. I have a friend who who really 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 wants something done and she will not get it done because she says how could I ever explain that to my daughter how could I ever justify it to my daughter well and when you say seems... self-care right. and, and that by the, is the way the also
2: I waited when my daughter was 14. And I had thought about it because, again, this wasn't something I thought about, you know, spur of the moment. I had always been bothered by, you know, being like a double A for me. I just didn't like the shape of my breasts. I didn't like anything about them. And when my daughter was 14, she, I, I threw a shot across the bow and kind of felt her out. And she said, why would you do that? Fast forward when she's almost eighteen, it was her suggestion, right. and so I, I do think that's important. But, but.
1: but yeah, Mar, you're saying how is she going to justify it to her daughter? Like Jen, you're a perfect example. Your daughter justified it to you some exactly. twenty years later. Exactly. But it's <laughs> the
0: idea of women that it's this is a reflection of some kind of lack of confidence or lack of self acceptance. And like you said, I think it's 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 a form of self care. Yeah. I believe that. Um, thank you guys for being here. This is a great conversation. Loved it, Mara. Jen. Thank you, thank you for you sharing so your oh, personal story. You. I hope it. I hope. It helps some women. You know, it's not.
2: I, I'm. I'm proud of it. It was a major, major step for me. Right, Dr. So, Jan, <laughs> Dr.
0: Temper, thank you both for being here. Thanks, Mark. Staying motivated is a 24/7 job. Let's keep this conversation going. Send us your questions by using the hashtag #Motivated or tweet me at MaraCamp. Help spread the motivation by taking a moment to give us a quick review. Just click the link in the description of this episode. New episodes post Monday mornings. And don't forget, you can listen to Motivated episodes three days early on the TuneIn app. New episodes will post on Fridays. Download TuneIn today and listen for free. Motivated is a production of ABC News. Thanks for listening. I'm Mara schiavo